0: Well, good morning. As Timothy said, my name is Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really good to see you and, and to be with you this morning. Uh, we're continuing in our series in the Psalms as we've been in for this fall. This morning, we're looking at Psalm 103. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to read God's Word to us this morning. Out of Psalm 103, this is God's Word to us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love towards those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, He remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord. O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Isaiah 40 tells us, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but God's word endures forever. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would come and speak. We need to hear from you. and. Lord God, we need to experience you and to know who you are so that our souls will speak good word unto you, so that our souls will well up with praise. So Lord, would you come now and would you teach us, remove me so that Christ is seen. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Redeemer and our rock. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. Well, I read an article recently that reported up until about 15 years ago, most psychologists would have said that it was unhealthy to dwell in the past because looking back on the past and dwelling there would prevent you from moving forward. Looking back and dwelling in the past was at one point considered a psychological disorder. They gave the name nostalgia to this disorder. But there is more and more research supporting that looking back that remembering has incredible power to lift you up in the present and to give you hope for the future. Some of the best musicians have always known this to be true, haven't they? Writing lyrics of nostalgia, conjuring up memories of the past, memories of your family, memory, memories of love. Great music has the power to make you remember. I think of that song for all of you. You all have that song that you hear it playing, and it's stirs your memory it takes you back to your past and hearing it it leaves you saying and i love my family i love that time or i love my friends whatever the song is it causes you to remember and to remember with great fondness psalm 103 tells us that that pattern is true particularly for the christian and the christian's relationship to the lord Verse 1 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. The psalm starts and ends with this call to bless the Lord, O my soul. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Septuagint, the word translated bless is eulogia, which literally means to say a good word. It's where we get the English word eulogy, right? To say a good word, to Bless. Now, the only time in which we hear the word eulogy used now is what? Funeral, right? That's a funeral. A person has passed away. Now we're going to say some nice things, a good word about this person. But a eulogy is any time that you stop and you speak a good word to someone. It's when you use a good word to make someone happy. And Psalm 103 tells us to do this with the Lord, with God. God wants us to speak a good word to Him. God wants us to use our words to tell Him He's great. So Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, speak a good word, a eulogy unto the Lord. And then verse 2 shows us how this can happen. Forget not all His benefits. Forget not all of His benefits. What's the opposite of forget? Remember, to remember the main way that you can be a blessing to someone is by remembering them you'll speak a good word about someone when you remember what is true and good about that person and one of my great privileges as a pastor is that I get to officiate and uh, participate in a lot of weddings and i actually officiated a wedding yesterday in raleigh and one of my favorite times of a wedding weekend is when the couple has a rehearsal dinner uh, if you've ever been a part of a rehearsal dinner, it's the dinner on the night before the wedding when the closest family and the closest friends gather together around a meal. And, uh, and normally, uh, at least in the South, uh, rehearsal dinner speeches happen, right? Rehearsal dinner speeches, uh, speeches about the bride and the groom. Uh, and more often than not, someone gets up and they remember their best memories about the bride and the groom. And then they speak a good word. They encourage and they bless this person with what they mean to them, their value, and the way that they love this person. I really love to see guys get up uh, at rehearsal dinners. Uh, Often a guy will be shocked by how emotional he becomes. Have you ever been to a rehearsal dinner and all of a sudden the tough guy gets up and he's trying to say something from his heart because he's remembering. All of a sudden he's like, I don't ever cry. (laughs) It's because you don't ever go there in your heart and now you're being forced to. Uh, and so he, this guy's getting emotional, and he's sharing what, what uh, this person means uh, to him, speaking a good word deep down from his soul. He's, he's moved. And the Psalm 103 starts off by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Deep down within my soul, speak a good word to God. And this will happen when we do not forget, but we remember all the benefits of the Lord. The psalm roots us in what God does and who God is and what God promises to do. And we are to remember, church, what God has done and what He promises to continue to do, who God is and what He will do in the future. But you know what sin does in our life? You know what the effect of sin in our life is? It creates spiritual amnesia. Sin creates spiritual amnesia. All of us are victims to sin, and as a result, sin causes us to forget. Our memory is so messed up that instead of remembering the good things that happen, we quickly remember the bad things in our lives, don't we? I mean, this is so true. It is easy to remember a harsh word or something painful that was spoken to you. I mean, it, it feels like it was just yesterday, right? You can, you can vividly remember that comment, that harsh word that your parent or a teacher or a friend or a coworker spoke to you. It will remain for years and years and years forever etched in your memory. But you can't, it's really hard to remember the positive comments that people make, the good words that people speak to you. We can believe the negative word when it's said one time, but a positive word said a hundred times, we quickly forget This psalm is saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul, by remembering all of the benefits of believing and belonging unto the Lord. And then verses 3 through 19 lists all the benefits of who of what we have in God. But before I get into these benefits, I've got to give you the background of this psalm, the foundation of Psalm 103. The the background comes from Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapters 32 to 34. Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, had just been given the Ten Commandments, and the children of Israel commit idolatry. They worship the golden calf. God then tells Moses that he's going to pour out his wrath, and he's going to destroy everyone. Moses becomes the mediator, and he intercedes, and he prays that God would not destroy them, and God responds. To Moses and his intercession and in his prayer. And God tells Moses, I'm going to reveal myself in a special way to you, Moses. And we see that in Exodus 34, verses 5 to 7. Verse 5 reads like this: The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there. Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses there. If the President of the United States came and stood with us this morning, we would go and tell everyone, right? The Lord stood with Moses. That's amazing. Don't, don't, don't rush over that. The Lord stood with Moses, and then the Lord proclaims in verse 6, the Lord, the Lord. That's an emphasis. That's, that's a way of God saying, listen up, Moses. I'm about to tell you who I am, and, there, and this is very clear, Moses. I am, verse, verses 6 and 7, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's Exodus 34. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because that is the backdrop of this psalm, very much what verses 8 to 12 focus on. The psalm roots us in who God is, what God does, and what God will do. So let's look at that. Let's look at what God does, who God is, and what God will do. Verse, uh, The first point: what God does. Verses, verse 3, we see He forgives all your iniquity, all of your sin, who heals all your diseases. That, that may be physical disease, but uh, it's more likely uh, in its context setback or moral and spiritual healing. He redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He takes you from the debt or from the depths, and makes you royalty, and then your youth is renewed like the eagle. He gives you strength, but God forgives all of your sin, all of your iniquity, all of your transgressions, all the times that we have turned our back on God in word, thought, and deed, all the times that we have willingly and unknowingly turned away from God, God forgives. And not only does he forgive the act, God graciously removes the consequence of our sin. Turning your back on someone, right, it's a sign of disrespect, right? Turning your back on someone and saying, forget you. I don't need you. I've got this. I don't need you anymore. And the book of Romans tells us the wages of sin, the wages of us turning away from God, turning our backs on God, The wages of that is death. The payment or the consequence of our sin is that God should turn His back on us, right? But God takes away the penalty of our sin. And instead, what verse 12 says is as far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. One commentator uh, said that this psalm is purposeful to say as far as the east is from the west because to look as far east right? To look as far east as you can, and then to turn and look as far west as you can, you have to turn your back in the direction that you were just facing. You have to turn your back. God turns his back on our sins. That's the benefit. We turn our backs on God, and we tell God, forget you. I'm going to live life the way I want to live life. I want control. I'm going to call the shots, and it's disrespectful to our God. And God says, if you believe in me, If you trust in the Lord Jesus, who bore the penalty of sin, the Father turned away from the Son, and the Son was left to hang on the cross. If we trust Jesus, God says, I will never turn away from you, but I will turn my back on your sin. I will never say, forget you, even though you might do that to me. I will always say, I forgive you. The benefit of our God is that He provided His own Son, turned his back on Christ who bore the penalty so that God could turn his back on our sin and forgive us. Would you believe and would you remember this morning all, all of your sin has been forgiven in Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, if you're, if you're questioning the faith, you're skeptical of Christianity, we are really glad you're here this morning. And I want you to know that that offer of grace and of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west is extended to you this morning no matter what you've done god wants to forgive if you will turn towards him he will embrace you and turn his back on your sins all of your sins let's look secondly at who god is that's what god does who is god verse 8 the lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 13, as a father shows compassion to his children, so, that, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Derek Kidner, he titles verses 8 to 13, wayward family, gentle father. Wayward family, gentle father. God is always bent towards mercy. Our God is always extending Grace. God is slow to anger. That literally means he's long in his nostrils. What in the world does that mean? He's long in his nostrils. That's what it literally means. The conversation always happens around our son, Henry. Uh, well, who does he look like, you or Rachel? Who does he, who does he act like, you or Rachel? And, and we're just starting to see his personality come out more and more. And I've joked for a long time uh, and called him the little hornet because uh, he has a little fire in his belly. He's got a little anger, uh, and he will he will grunt. He'll make the, like, rrr, 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 and he makes his face, and he and he kind of flares his nostrils. Rrr. That's what he, he's a little hornet. That's what I call him. And uh, and I've joked that he probably gets that from his dad. <laughs> he doesn't get that from his mom. Uh, his mom is extremely gentle and patient. Dad can be impatient. Dad can be angry. And when I get angry, I actually make a face that people have joked. Uh, with me for years about. I I get very focused. My nostrils start to flare, and I get angry, right? That's what a bull does when it gets angry. A bull flares its nostrils. I'm not comparing myself to a bull, but uh, a bull, when it flares its nostrils, you know it's about to charge, right? It is angry. God says, I have long nostrils towards my people. I'm gentle. I'm patient, slow to anger, But our memory, because of sin, wants to think about the times we've heard God say and others say, I punish sin, which He does. God punishes sin, but He has done it with a decisive payment of His Son on the cross. We can hear that God punishes punishes sins, and we think God's angry with us. He's impatient with us. But Psalm 103 says, remember He is slow to anger. He is gentle and he is patient and he's longing for all of us to repent and return to him. Verse 13 tells us he's a father, a gentle father who loves us greatly. How much does he love us? Verse 11, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. I used to play this game with my mom and dad uh, growing up. I'm sure some of you might have played it If not, let let me describe the game uh, to you. They would come to me and they would say, Daniel, do you know how much I love you? And I'd say, no, no, no. They'd say, Daniel, do I I love you this much? And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Daniel, do do I love you this much? They'd say, no, 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 no. Well, Daniel, do I love you this much? No, 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 no. And they'd say, that's right, Daniel. You know how much we love you? We love you to the sky and back. We love you to the moon and back and back. That's verse 11. Our Father, gentle, compassionate. And he says, "You know how much I love you as far as the heavens are above the earth, as far as you can see, as much as you can imagine. That's how much our God loves us." But our God and our Father, he's not wimpy and passive, is he? He's a, he is strong and he's protective of his children. We see that in verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Our Father is the defender of the oppressed, the orphan and the widow and the poor and the marginalized, those suffering from injustice. It is at that that our God flares his nostrils. It's at that that our God enters in and defends the defenseless. He is a protector and he's a defender and he's also a gentle father towards us his children. That's who our God is. We need to remember that. Well, what will God do? Third point: What will God do? Verse fourteen to sixteen: God says, "God knows we are dust; our days are like grass, like a flower. The wind passes over, and it is gone." That's similar to if you've ever read the Epistle of James in the New Testament, tells us that our life is a vapor; it's a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow, and that's in comparison to verse seventeen. But the steadfast love, rather, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. His righteousness to children's children. The love of God does not come and go. The love of God is from everlasting to everlasting. It extends to generation to generation. The Hebrew for steadfast love is hesed. There's really not a sufficient way to translate that in English. People have tried to to translate it as mercy or loving kindness, steadfast love, but it means covenant love, covenant love. And we're not even sure what that really means. One of my favorite stories in the scriptures is when King David shows Hesed to the son of Jonathan. When he shows this covenant love to King Saul's grandson. David is anointed and installed as the king over Israel. And it is a custom when a new king sits on the throne, it was in Israel, for them to remove all remembrance of the former king, which meant family. But David made a covenant. He made a covenant with Jonathan, a binding contract saying, I will will protect you and not just you, but your family. So when David becomes king, instead of getting rid of all of Saul's family, he seeks out, he looks for any family of Saul and Jonathan, and he finds Mephibosheth, a crippled son of Jonathan. Mephibosheth offers nothing to David's kingdom. He can't fight. He can't do anything. He was weak. He was crippled. Yet David seeks him out, finds him, offers him a place at the king's table, offers him a place in the king's family. David's love for Jonathan went beyond Jonathan to the next generation because it was a covenant binding love. God's love towards us. His people is a Hesed love. He's faithful. He is faithful to pour out his love, not just to us, but to our children, and to our children's children. God binds himself to us in this relationship that we call a covenant. That even though we might turn away and we might stumble and we actually are the cripple and we bring nothing to God, he seeks us and he finds us out and he gives us a place at his table, a place in his family. And he's faithful not just to us but to our children and to our children's children. Every parent in here, should be prayerful and hopeful and faithful for our children and for our grandchildren and know that if we are in this relationship with God through faith in Jesus, God is faithful. Though our days are like grass and our lives are a mist, God's love towards us is everlasting to everlasting from generation to generation. He is faithful. These are the benefits of our God. He's forgiving. He's a father he's faithful and there's so much more that i could say out of this psalm and the effects of sin is that we walk around with spiritual amnesia forgetting forgetting all of these benefits i said earlier i officiated a wedding yesterday and it was a great weekend it was a great time on friday night rehearsal dinner a time of fellowship around a meal there was a slideshow that showed all the pictures of the bride and the groom growing up as children and then them dating and then becoming engaged and close family and friends stood up and they shared all the things that they loved and valued about each of them and remembered them. Remembering. I could still remember my rehearsal dinner. And I could say it was one of the happiest times in my life to hear my closest family and my closest friends share what they remembered and loved about me. It was a blessing. It was a blessing. Have one major application for us this morning, church. Christians, we need to throw more rehearsal dinners. We need to throw more rehearsal dinners, not for wedding, but a rehearsal dinner where we remember what God has done and who God is and what He promises to do. We need to have dinner parties together and we need to sit around a meal and we need to remind each other about our gentle and protective Father and His forgiveness and His faithfulness. We need to be in one another's homes. We need to drink coffee together. We need to have lunch together after church and remember who God is. We need to go out in the city, have fun together, and remember rehearsal dinners all the time. Right? How awesome would that be? It's like the city of... Man, that's throwing like parties all the time. That's what we should be like And remembering who our God is, blessing God, saying a good word as we remember all the benefits. We do that every Sunday morning as we gather here. We do it midweek with our midweek prayer on Wednesday mornings where we come and we remember who God is. We cry out to Him. We do it every time we open up the Word of God by ourselves or with our families or in our city groups. We remember who god is and as we do this our souls well up and we bless the lord with all that is within me and it won't stop there psalm 103 ends the psalmist is saying let the angels and the heavenly host and all the works of god bless the lord so remember christ central our god is forgiving he is faithful and he's a father let's pray God, I ask that you would help us to remember, to remember who you are, what you've done, and what you promised to do. Even now, as we come to this meal, this table that you've offered all of us who bring nothing, who are weak and broken, and yet you give us a place at the king's table, a place in the king's family, because you've turned your back on our sin because of Christ. And we thank you and we rejoice and we come now to remember you yet again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.